Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. Uh, good morning. I'm Kevin Lane. I'm the youth pastor here, and uh, it's my privilege to be surrounded by things up here. Um, this, is, uh, this is a great opportunity. I love this, this service. I really hate preparing this message. It's always really difficult for me. This is the hardest sermon to, to, to put together, and yet it's my favorite service. So um, I'm glad that you're here with me. I have an opportunity to uh, go into God's Word with you, and we're going to look at a few things. Also, I want to share with you that I decided to keep in with Pastor Jim's theme of the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus. And so, so that is why my sermon is entitled, A Bit Revealing. Uh, it's, we're going to be looking at a revealing uh, of sorts, okay? So uh, we're going to spend most of our time in the book of Philippians, so if you want to get yourself there, we'll get there in just a moment. But uh, first off, if you would pray with me. Father God, thank you so much for this beautiful day, for an opportunity to come together, to open your word, to, to let it transform us. I thank you, Father, that we don't interpret it according to what we want it to say. We, we look at what you want us to know, and we then interpret our lives by it. We thank you for being our constant and our standard, for being unchanging, for loving us so much you gave us your Son. I thank you, Father, for that gift. And as we open your word now, I pray, Lord, that you would just free my thoughts, free my tongue, and let, let the ideas that flow from me be, be rooted in your word and be rooted in you. We praise you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you give us. And it's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Um, I'm not a big television watcher myself. I don't watch much TV, uh, but... Every once in a while, if I was flipping through to see what the weather was like or something, I would, I would come across this, this TV show called um, Extreme Makeover Home Edition. And I would like, you know, flip, flip, flip. ooh, guy stuff. And, and sledgehammers and people going crazy. If you're, not, if, you're, if you're not familiar with the show, the premise basically was that that a, uh, a team of construction and decoration individuals would go in and totally transform somebody's house. Generally, it was someone who was in need uh, of, uh, like, I remember one, one episode that I had seen. It was, a, it was a family that took care of foster kids. And so they swooped in and they, they made more bedrooms and they added on to it and they made every room really cool and, and they provided all sorts of uh, resources for the family so that they could, in a sense, in, in the sense that I look at how we're supposed to live our lives, do ministry they were to, to serve these, these kids. And so... It was always, you know, the commercial would always jump in right about when they were going to show you something, and you're like, oh, you know, when you're hooked, you got to continue to watch because, you know, got to watch the commercial because you're waiting for the big reveal. And then you'd get to the end of the show, and here it is, the family would be like, you know, are you ready, you know, Smith family? Oh, we're so ready. Oh, 
don't move that bus. See, someone's been watching this show. So, so and, and, they, and, and just to watch the joy of especially the kids. Well, all right. Especially the kids and the mom. To see the kids go in and see their own bedrooms and just be filled with joy. Wow, look at this. It was like a, like a giant rediscovery of a home you've already been in, right? But to see mom go in and just say, you've made my life better. You've made my life easier. And it was probably pretty dusty and pretty messy to make it happen. But you, you knocked walls out. You did changes. You made incredible things happen for me. Thank you. It was just so fun to see that, that expectancy of the families. The, we shared in it the expectancy ourselves. We were, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? What are they going to do? You know? Wow, a bedroom that looks like a pirate ship. <laughs> who'd have thunk? You know? Who, who'd have thunk? That one. So I decided that for the sake of today, we would have perhaps a little expectancy in here too. So a little revealing I have placed objects around the sanctuary for you to find. Now, if, you, if, you're, if you're turning around and I see the back of your head during the, the time in the Word, that's okay. I don't mind. Remember, I'm a youth pastor. I see this all the time. <laughs> it's all right. It's all right. But the five thing, or no, no, I'm sorry. It's not five because I added to it. I was having so much fun. I just thought I'd put some more in here. The things that you are looking for is you're looking for a trophy. You are looking for a gold goblet. You are looking for an apple. You are looking for a Detroit Red Wings coffee mug. <laughs> you're looking for a kaleidoscope, um, which I'll, I'll, you might say, well, that's not a kaleidoscope. It, it, it's... Um, one of those things that you put in the window, and if you turn it over, and the bubbles and the water, and it, it lights up. So it's not necessarily, it's like kind of, what is it? More like a, well, it's not even a prism. It's, it's just a, it's a thing. You're looking for a thing. You're looking for a red ball of yarn. And lastly, you're looking for a rubber chicken. Okay. So that's what you're looking for. I love, now, now back to, now that you know what you're looking for, but I love the concept of them going in and tearing up this house to make something new, to make something better. Because, you know, in, in 2 Corinthians, as I said, we're going to be in Philippians, so I didn't throw you a curveball. In 2 Corinthians, it says here that, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone. The new has come. God is working a massive extreme makeover in us. The rubber chicken is not over there. <laughs> he is putting, doing a massive extreme makeover on us. He's knocking out walls. He's building new ones. He's redecorating. He's remodeling. Um, I, I love how, I think it was C.S. Lewis that said this. Um, when, uh, he, he said, when, um, you can tell when I'm not on my notes. He said, uh, we have it in mind that God wants to turn us into some idyllic little cottage in the woods the moment we become a Christian. But no, he comes in and tears out the walls and remodels and flattens and levels and, and the next thing we know, it's a castle. And why is it a castle? Because the king lives there. He's changing our lives because he wants to be a part of it. 
He's in it. So as a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. We become something incredible. However, we're a work in progress too. Chapter one of Philippians, verses four and five. I love this because I love seeing the prayer life of the Apostle Paul. I love seeing the prayer life of Jesus in Scripture. I love seeing how, how people prayed. In all my prayers for all of you, verse four, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That, that may seem like just a, 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 his salutation, his high, his introduction, but there's so much there. Paul said, he who began a good work, to begin the good work is not that the work is done, it's, it's starting And what was that moment of starting? It was the moment we accept Christ. The moment we said, I do, and accepted the gift. I can can just, Casey, I really love, Casey, I love her poem. It was so visual. I could see her poem. I just shut my eyes and watched it play. And so I, I can almost imagine the moment we accept Christ, the smile on God's face as he rolls up his arms, sleeves on his arms, and he says... Let's get to work. And, and we can get excited about it, but he's going to knock out a few walls. He's going to make some changes. It's not going to look like it used to look like. And we can get it excited at first until we see the dust, and then we see the rewiring and the plumbing and everything that's got to change, and it can scare us. The moment we accept the beginning of the work, continuing that work is our sanctification. It's God working in our lives. It's God working in our lives as we let go of the things that we hold on to that we don't want him to have. I really like that bathroom that way. It's got the perfect little table for my book. It's got to go. I've got something better in mind for you, God says. And then the completion of that work is when he calls us home or when he comes to get us. But he never stops working on us. All of us are a work in progress and the graduates, you are a work in progress. You're still a work in progress. Graduating from high school is not the end. It is also not the beginning. But it's a place right there on the road, on the path with God. You're going to make decisions that will influence your direction. He wants to walk with you. He wants to guide you. He wants to take care of you. But he wants to always be a visible part of your life, shaping and molding you and working with you. We're all a work in progress. I'd really like, as we stay in Philippians, I want to give the congregation a little bit of a view of some of the things that we talked about this year. Kind of bring it. So I I, I never know how to do this because it's as though I'm talking to them, but I'm really talking to you, but I'm talking to all of us, but I really want them to hear this. But I want to remind you. Okay. Did you find the rubber chicken yet? Okay, never mind. I, I don't need to know. We talked about, we talked about matriculation. 
We talked about how when we would come together in that room, in the youth room, we needed each other to grow spiritually. The environment was about growing together, and in some way, shape, or form, we all influence each other. May our time together be, be time of growth and time of fellowship and time of nurturing in the Word. May our time of influence be positive, because you know we can negatively influence each other. You know that we can, we can attack each other. Our, our matriculation was to learn and grow together and learn and grow together in relationship with each other and learn and grow with each other in relationship to God, inviting him into this relationship with us. We talked about posture and we talked about presence. Our posture being that that if we have an expectation to receive something from God, we should be facing him and not turning our backs on him. That, that whatever we do, Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart is working for the Lord, not for men. Postured to God. And then, presence. Don't just show up. Anybody can just show up. Be present. Be engaged. We engage together with, as, a, as a family. We engage together with God. He wants to engage with us. So we've engaged through uh, the Sunday morning sermons. We've engaged together in Sunday school. We've engaged together in youth group. We've engaged together at camp and winter retreat. We've engaged together in service projects. We've engaged together as the family of God. Um. A while back, uh, one of my close friends here in the church, watching the senior high in the middle of a service project, doing some uh, work at someone's home, uh, with all the best intentions, said to me with a big smile, it is so great that you are teaching these kids to love their church. And I said, well... Actually, that's not what's on my mind. I want these kids to learn to love Jesus. I want them to know him and love him before a church. Because as I explained to this person, one day you're going to go away. You, you might stay here. This may be your church for the rest of your lives, but it would be great. Wouldn't it be something if I was like your kid's youth pastor? <laughs> oh. <clears throat> and that's okay. You know, God might call you somewhere else. But when you go, when you go into a church, I don't want you to walk in the door and fall in love with a church. Because there's lots of great stuff at some churches that you could fall in love with. Awesome PowerPoint and really great speaking or, and, and, and all of these things that we try to aspire to, obviously, but if Jesus isn't there, I want you to know Jesus because when you get to a church, you'll be able to recognize when he's there. Fall in love with him. You do that by matriculating. You do that by inviting him into your relationship of, of, of all of life. 
in uh, Philippians chapter 3. Paul spoke about his desire to grow in this relationship when he says in verse 10, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. This is not Paul just saying words to the effect, you know, it'd be kind of cool if I could get to know Jesus a little bit better. There is an urgency to his words. There is an expectation to his words. There is power behind his words. I want to know Christ. I want to know the power of his resurrection. I want to know it, know it, know it. There is, in that word, there is, uh, it, it, the Greek word simply means know, to know. But there is to this word a little bit more of a nuance, less of knowledge that you pack into your brain and more of an intimacy. No. I want to know Jesus intimately is what Paul's getting at. And so we looked at matriculation, posture, and presence. We also spent a little bit of time in the area of metaphysics. What is real? What is ultimately what is there ultimately? And what is it like? Boy, that was an exciting ride. I say that a bit facetiously because we had a lot of data that night and we weren't done. But we talked about how do we know what is real? Paul says in this passage, three verses, chapter 3, verses 10 through 14, much to what is real. Do you see him? It's a scavenger hunt right here in the words of Scripture. I want to know Christ. Christ is real. I want to know the power of his resurrection. There's power in the resurrection. And there's a resurrection. It's real. I want to know the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know the resurrection from the dead. Jesus, verse uh, 12. Not that I've already obtained all this or already been made perfect, but I press on to take that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. There's some reason why Jesus took hold of me. It's real. What is it? And how do we know, which was the next thing we looked at, which was epistemology. How do we know what we know? How do we know what we know? Well, we're Berean Bible Church. We go to God's Word. We study the Scriptures. I remember one of my professors at Grace Bible College saying to me, never let your experience dictate your theology. Let Scripture dictate your theology. And so this is our anchor. How do we know what we know? We pray. How do we know what we know? We fellowship and matriculate and we can share our lives with each other and we can keep each other on track. How do you interpret? How do you see? How do you understand this situation to be? And yes, there is experience. There is experience, and I'm going to point you to one of the experiences of how do we know what we know? How do we know there are miracles? How do we know that God intervenes? How do we know this? I know this 
from sitting about where Mike Harper is, wave, from sitting right about there and Pastor Jim or Pastor Gary is preaching from the Word and they start, they start talking about something we just left the Sunday school room and said, we don't have time to finish this. Boy, I really wish we could cover this. And then I'm sitting there and I watch heads of all of these senior hires turn around. They look, turn, see, like I said, um, they turn around and they look at me and I'm going, there is no such thing as coincidence. Jesus showed up. Jesus showed up. That's how we know what we know. And we know through examining. Examining the word and examining ourselves. And when we examine ourselves and see our need for a savior, that's pretty revealing. Pretty revealing. Next, we looked at axiology. What do we value and why is it beautiful and what is beautiful and what is moral and what is ethical? Do you think scripture has something to say about that? Paul seems to. Paul most certainly seems to. Turn the page over to uh, Philippians chapter 4. Verses 8 and 9. Paul says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. There's a combination there of experience and there is a combination there of get into the word, know God, know, you've heard, you guys have heard me say this before, you guys, do not study scripture to know scripture, study scripture to know God. We are not doing an academic thing here. We're doing an experiential knowledge. We're growing in, our, in our, our understanding of the person of God, not the concept of God, not the vague idea of God, but who he is. And the more we grow in our understanding and knowledge of him, the more we will know about us and the more we will know about each other and the more we can grow together in all that God wants us to do. And that is how we will know what is beautiful. What does God say is beautiful? We will know what to value. What does God value? What is moral? What is ethical? How does God see it? And we bend our lives, our values, to God's. And lastly, we looked at logic and praxis. How do our metaphysics, our epistemology, our axiology form our thinking How does the practice of our life, the practicing of our life, reflect what is real? How do we know what we know? What do we value? What is ethical? What is moral? What is beautiful? How do we live it? Are these things in alignment with the other three? If they are not, something's either wrong with our metaphysics our epistemology, and our axiology, or something's wrong with us. And we need to realign ourselves to God's word. I would suggest most likely it's the latter. It's when we walk away from him. He wants us to walk to him.
Let's see some logic and praxis in Philippians. Turn back to chapter 3. We'll start at verse 13. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Praxis. Let go. Practice. Praxis. Practice. Letting go of the earthly, fleshly things and straining and striving to give everything over to God. To be made like him. To not make God like me. To realize his ways are holy and above mine. To realize he loves me so much, he'd come and get me. So, Paul also expresses in in chapter 3 a sense of urgency, a sense of expectancy. He's not suggesting that his look will be in vain. He's quite saying the opposite. Saying quite the opposite. He's expecting to find the power of the resurrection. He's expecting to find Christ revealing himself to Paul. Do we have that sense of expectancy? If we're honest, we're probably not all the time. And you can probably, each of you, think of someone that you know who just really, really, you just see Jesus in them. What is it about them that makes you see Jesus? All right, give it, go off the notes again. Think of someone right now who you say, Boy, you know what, that person, I see Jesus. Do you have a person in mind? Show of hands. Okay. What is it about them? You don't, I don't want to know who. I want to know what is it about them that makes you say, I see Jesus in them? Go ahead. Hmm? Joy. Joy. Caring. Caring, kindness, compassion. compassion. Selflessness. Selflessness, humility, peace. Obedience. Obedience. Grace. Grace. Patience. Patience. Mirror. Do you see you? Do you see the things that we just described? We're a work in progress. Every one of us. Every one of us. So this sense of expectancy, this urgency, do I really want to change? Do I really think God can change me? If my answer is no, I have no expectancy, I have no urgency, and I will be just like I am, loved by God, and not growing any closer to him. Paul is a great example. I want to know the power of the resurrection. I want to know it. 
Do you want to know it? Do you have a sense of expectancy, of urgency? Uh, back to the scavenger hunt. How many of you feel you have found everything? Paul, I knew you would, my man. I knew you would be the guy. All right, all right, all right. Hang on. My question about the uh, expectancy and tying that in with the scavenger hunt. Were you looking because I told you something was there? Some of you probably, I know that you did. Some of you noticed some of the objects in here and you were like, yep. you noticed the objects and you thought, well, that's odd. Why is that there? Who left that there? Boy, is that person going to be in big trouble. So maybe you noticed them just happenstance. Maybe you didn't notice some of the things that I put there because I told you you had to look for them. And maybe for some of you it was like, scavenger hunt, big deal, whoopee. And for some of you it might have been, oh, I am so going to be the person in my family that finds everything first. You, you cultivated within yourself a sense of expectancy and urgency. Uh, we've got a game going on, by the way. The Haney family is going down. You are not winning. That is the, between Memorial Day and Labor Day, who finds all 50 states license plate game, right? And, and, oh, the provinces never got thrown in. That was just an afterthought because you were losing. So, um, <laughs> but seriously, it has changed the way, no, wait, this is, I want to start that sentence over. I was going to say it's changed the way I drive. No, it's, it's changed the way I approach getting on the road. I am paying a lot of attention to license plates because I'm looking at these things that really wouldn't have been a big deal to me. (laughs) You hold in your hands the word of God. Divine revelation the very breath of God. Everything you need to know about growing in Christ and salvation. Yeah? Or, yeah. Where's your expectancy? Where's your urgency? Don't lose it. Find it. And continue to grow in it. Now, I gave you a list of things that uh, you had to find. Who says that there weren't more things to find? Who found something else that was out of place that I didn't put out there on the list? Beth, what'd you find? Oh, that's on the list. That's an apple. Right there is an apple. What did you find? Yes, sir. You found a heart? What? Oh, the stuff. Oh, this. Right. Right in front of you. The whole time. Completely out of place. Duct tape? Yeah, I have no idea that's not mine. But still... (laughs) No, 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 but see, but still, 
Did anyone else notice the duct tape? No, we need each other to notice these things. That's why we matriculate. We come together and we say, did you notice God moving in someone my life this way? I noticed him this way. Wow, that's awesome. There's so much more to find. <sighs> okay. I would like to, uh, like to call the class of 2014 up here, if I could. Just come join me right up here. They have, they don't know what's coming. It's a big reveal. <laughs> so just kind of make room, make sure everybody's up here. Okay? Okay, so, which means cheese in Spanish. <sighs> it's an old joke. They, they, they. First and foremost, we have to wrap up the scavenger hunt, okay? All right. Who, did you guys find everything? Except for the rubber chicken. That's why I'm here, rubber chicken. We've got the apple, the golden goblet. Uh, Eric, close your eyes. The, th- uh, the thingy? Thing? The thing? The thing? Okay. The sun catcher, that's it. The uh, red yarn. Uh, the tr- trophy. The red wings cup. Did it all change a little bit, your perspective? You had to kind of move around. All of a sudden, some things that maybe weren't visible, like I would imagine that Angie Mulvick might not be able to see the apple because of where she's seated way back over there. Sometimes we have to change. We change where we are to see God moving. We don't change God so that we can see him. Our perspective needs to shift not, not our understanding of God himself. Okay? Chicken. Chicken. How do you know there is a rubber chicken? Hmm? Because I said. Good. How do I know there is salvation? How do I know There is Jesus. How? Because the Bible says. How do I know? Rubber chicken! The rubber chicken was there the entire time, even if you didn't see it. Maybe you just had to have faith. I like this thing. Maybe you just have to have faith that there's a rubber chicken. Even if you didn't see it. (laughs) Yes, I did do that. Okay. Our Heavenly Father, we do thank you for uh, these these young adults that you have placed in our midst. And uh, Father, to watch them serve to share, uh, to love one another, uh, to help shepherd uh, the younger ones in their youth program. Uh, it's just been a real privilege. And we love them. And, uh, Father, we want uh, them to know that uh, wherever you take them in life, they always have a church home where they are loved, where they can serve, and where we care for them. 
I want to thank you for this congregation and uh, the way they sacrifice so that we can provide a place that we can have the pastors and we can have the resources to give our young people the best opportunities to learn your word, to serve together, and to grow into mature Christian adults. And we leave this place today with the joy of the Holy Spirit as we lift our song of our voices in this last song to praise your wonderful name. And we are truly a thankful people. Please bless these young people in mighty, mighty ways. In our Savior's name we pray. Amen.